Greetings, everyone. As you know, by now, we have moved into our new church. I have to confess how amazing it was to see the place get prepped so quickly in just a few days. Thank you to those who volunteered to come out and set, help set things up. Just imagine three months ago, we were suddenly given 90 days to vacate SDA. After getting over the initial shock, we started scrambling to find a place for our church. And suddenly in God's timing and in God's providence, Pastor Eric found his church listed on the market and called a quick meeting with the board of directors. We all agreed this was a great opportunity and put in our bid to the seller. This was like the Thursday before our 100th anniversary event back on July 4th. And within an hour of submitting our bid, the seller surprised us and accepted our bid. Things were moving so fast in real time, we couldn't even keep up with our communication with you all of what was happening. Our drafted emails became old news fast as fast as we could write them up. Three months later, last week, our board chair, Jared, and I signed the title docs, and everything was officially recorded on Wednesday of that week. We are now the owners of this property. I want to give thanks to God, especially for helping us overcome all the row bumps in this purchase, especially the miraculous one with the Franchise Tax Board. Also, I want to thank the Board of Directors for being available to make timely decisions to ex expedite the purchase. And a special shout out to Sylvia Chin, Gordon Wang for advising us about the finance side, plus to Rachel Lee and Steve Lee for their counsel on the contracts and legal side. Pastor Eric had a great picture of what these last few months have been like. It was like God parting the Red Sea and telling us to sprint across to the other side before the waters crashed down on us like they did on feral soldiers that were chasing Moses. And with great faith, we obeyed and run we did. Now that we are here, what are we to do? Well, definitely we cannot take a breather because there's still much to do going forward. As you can see, we are not settled in yet. So we are asking for your grace and patience these next few weeks, months, as we gradually transform this place into our place. And we, of course, will need everyone's help to clean up, repair, fix up this gift from God. But what I want to remind us right now, we must not obsess over this property. To look only inward and forget the outward. There's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done on these buildings but we must not lose sight of the works God has prepared for us to do in his name. The church is not a building. This property is part of a bigger plan, the mission God has for us in this new season. Every week, we repeat our mission statement, which clearly states we are to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. The greatest commandments and great commission are all wrapped up into this one statement. Jesus told a teacher of the law in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39, that the two greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. And the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, Jesus commands us, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And that must continue to be our purpose at 7900 Mountain Boulevard. Otherwise, in my opinion, we wasted a lot of money for a piece of land. 
For many of us, we are very familiar with these commands from Jesus, but it is easy to forget or get lazy and not make them a priority. As we embark on a new beginning for CLC, this is a great opportunity for us to remind ourselves why we exist as a church. Today, I want us to see our church in certain ways that will give us an idea of how we can pursue together this mission God has given our church. I'm going to give us three images for the church, and if you can remember just one, I will consider myself successful. So let me pray for us before I continue. Heavenly Father, with grateful hearts, we give thanks for this new church property you have provided for us to gather in your name. Please bless this this space. May the Holy Spirit roam with power in this place. CLC and your people claim this land for your glory. May your will be done. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Amen. For starters, we must see our church as an emergency room. Have you ever been in the emergency room? I have. Matter of fact, in my dental training, I even worked in one. And there you will likely see the most sickest people. People usually go there when they are hurting bad in a lot of pain and they try everything else on their own. The word that best describes people often in emergency rooms is desperate. Have you ever been desperate? When my son was young, he fell out of his bed while sleeping one night and the loud thud I heard woke me up. I went to check on him and although he looked uncomfortable, maybe I was kind of in denial and maybe sleep deprived because we were young parents with two kids under four. I just put him back to bed, but the next morning he was in a lot of pain, so I had to take him to the emergency room. At your typical emergency room, there are tons of people seeking help and everyone is fighting to get seen as soon as possible. Watching my son suffer in pain to say I was desperate for the doctors to move him up in the queue would have been putting it mildly. Fortunately, the hospital had compassion for this desperate dad, and my son was taken care of reasonably quickly. If you are wondering, the x-rays showed my son had indeed broken his collarbone. When we are physically sick, we go to the emergency room seeking treatment. But where do people go if they are sick spiritually? Whether believe it or not, we are all spiritually sick in this world. Some of us are just sicker than others. And if we can realize this condition in us, the only solution is to find spiritual treatment. And that is where the church has a role. That is why I want to see CLC as the emergency room for the spiritually sick. A place where we are helping each other to get well. This will be messy and will require we have grace and compassion for each other. And I'm so encouraged that some of you are going through the biblical counseling training course to equip yourselves to help others who are hurting and in pain. For CLC to be the emergency room for others, we must get healthier ourselves first. Not needed to be totally healed, but at least healthier than the sickest among us. But our own spiritual healing does not happen unless we are intentional and proactive about it. It does not happen automatically or by our own power, only by God's. And just as important, we must have a sense of urgency to get well, 
even desperation to pursue God, who is our cure. Spiritual sickness is a silent killer. It's not like cancer or a heart attack or even a broken bone like my son had. Those definitely get our attention real quick. But it's easy to dismiss spiritual illness. But not taking care of spiritual sickness has definite eternal problems. Our challenge is this. Will we be motivated enough, desperate enough to get healthy spiritually, to grow and mature in our Christ-likeness? Or will we be desperate for other earthly things like work, career, money, marriage, family, material things, anything but Jesus? Mark 2, verse 17, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In this verse, Jesus is calling us to him if we know we are sick and not healthy. But remember our mission statement? Jesus is also for all people around us. So a question for all of us to consider. Who is Jesus calling us to invite to this emergency room called CLC? Who is spiritually hungry, spiritually sick among us? This past Wednesday, we got a quick glimpse of the community we are now a part of. It was not by chance that on the day we are the official owners of this property, that there was a shooting at a school campus on the other side of the freeway. And our church was used as an evacuation site for those students here there so they could be reunited with their worried families. Our parking lot was literally an emergency room for the desperate. What might be God trying to show us? Maybe he is reminding us he gave us this property not just for us, but for this community. How will we respond to the needs of this neighborhood? Can God be telling us it is time for another ice screening here in our new home for the community? Maybe after school tutoring or imagine a food pantry for the under-resourced. Something to wonder about. How can we be the emergency room for the sick, for the desperate? A second image for our church is we are lights. Okay, you all know I love to go fishing. On my last trip, we have even fished at night, midnight to be exact. And it's pitch black in the open ocean. But our boat had bright floodlights, which allowed us to see very clearly over the waters. And when fishing, it is good to be able to see where you're, where you are casting. Also, when you hook the fish, it's important to see where the fish are going and making sure our lines don't get tangled. Imagine if we had to do this in the dark, not likely to be a good result without lights. Lights help us to see what we are seeking after. When fishing, we are seeking fish. Applied to life, we are all seeking one thing or another. So what are you seeking? Sadly, many people are seeking after the wrong things. Maybe it's fame, fortune, power. But God who created us knows what is best for us. And that's an eternal right relationship with him. Jeremiah 29, verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So a question for all of us to think about. Will you seek God with all your heart? This is where I really want you to be honest with this question and evaluate your heart condition. 
Are you genuinely seeking God above other things in life? Or is God only on Sunday, one hour kind of hobby? And the rest of the time, you're preoccupied with other stuff. Not for any of us to judge each other. I want to make that clear. It is truly between you and God. But if you realize you are spiritually sick, which we are all honestly ill in some way, earnestly seeking after God is the only way to peace and wholeness. And to truly see, Jesus must be our light. John 8 verse 12, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And as we take seriously the call to follow him, to be more Christ-like, we will also become lights for others in the world. Matthew 5, verses 14 and 16, in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preached about what his followers will look like. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. A few weeks ago, I had a big problem in my kitchen where there was a bunch of fruit flies flying all over the place. And so I went out and bought these bug lights to attract and kill them. And, and these bug lights are actually have UV light. and The um, flies are attracted to the UV lighting. And as they get sucked into the into the lamp, they get stuck to that, the adhesive paper that's on the bottom. These bug lights really do work and they eliminated all the flies. So a question, in your recent encounters with people, do they notice you are different? Have you been a light that attracts others to be curious about the God you follow? Like the fruit flies attracted to a UV light. Imagine you can be like that for Jesus. Just this week, uh, as we were moving in, our members have already interacted with our neighbors. One of our admin, uh, Michelle, shared this with our staff this past week as we were moving in. I quote her, I met three neighbors today. One super friendly woman, Mary, was out on a walk and was really happy that we were moving in. One lady wandered in because she was always curious about the inside of the sanctuary. Meeting some new neighbors was a really neat confirmation and affirmation of our move here. In my 24 years at SDA, I never met a single neighbor other than some homeless people. So to meet three today on our first official day as a neighbor was super cool. Great story. And that has been the similar experience for many of us who have been here this week. Our presence here, like Lights for Jesus, is already attracting people to meet us in just a brief week. Imagine what we will be able to do to connect people to God in the months to come. CLC must be an emergency room. CLC must be lights. And third, CLC must be a treasure chest. Obviously, a treasure chest holds treasure, or it wouldn't be a treasure chest. So a question for all of us, what is your treasure? Is it money? Your house, your car, maybe even your children. For those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus must be our treasure. 
Jesus came to dwell among us and invites us to be Christ-like. To succeed in this transformation, this makeover, we must be desperately seeking him, both individually and corporately, so Jesus can dwell in us. A treasure chest is only valuable if there is treasure. If we, the church, are to be figuratively a treasure chest, then logically we must have precious Jesus in us. So a question for all of us to consider. Do others see how precious Jesus is for you? Do you share with others the treasure you have in Jesus? God definitely will bring people into your circles of relationships that will give you an opportunity to share about this treasure you have in Jesus. If Jesus, the light of the world, is in you, you will attract people. You just have to be ready when that moment happens. For me, uh, one of those relationships is my brother-in-law, who I occasionally get to go bass fishing with, and he is not a believer. I usually get to fish with him once a month, and we talk about all kinds of stuff. And usually I try to listen to see what is going on in his life. More importantly, I am looking for an opportunity to steer the conversation to spiritual matters and to share my faith and how it applies to life issues that are similar to his. This last week, the topic of pride came up when we were talking about how people do dishonest things because of greed over money. That pride is the foundational sin that drives all other sins. This even led me to share about the seven original sins. And I bet that is not your typical talk while fishing. And he even correctly contributed. Then humility is the opposite of pride. As I was sharing my thoughts with him, he asked me, so where did you learn all this stuff about pride? I looked him in the eye and said, the Bible. God gives us instructions in the Bible about such things. Slowly through this relationship, I'm hoping I'm stirring up my brother-in-law's curiosity about things that matter, things that are like the worship song goes, more precious than silver or gold, and that being Jesus. For me to be a treasure chest for Jesus means to show others in my words and deeds that Jesus is truly precious to me. I told my brother-in-law in that conversation, the opposite of greed and dissatisfaction is contentment. As Christians, we understand contentment is only possible if we have Jesus in us. Matthew 11, verse 28, my life verse, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. I have truly experienced that rest, that rest for my soul that Jesus promises. And that is why he will always be a treasure for me. A side note, um, my brother-in-law asked me if I could recommend a book he can read that deals with pridefulness. If you know one, please do refer the book to me. An emergency room is for those acting desperately. Lights help those who are seeking. And a treasure chest has the treasure Jesus. Putting this all together, we are the church who is desperately seeking Jesus. And that happens to be the name of our current message series. In the next four weeks, Caitlin and I will take a look at four people in the Gospels who are desperately seeking. The bleeding woman who is desperately seeking healing. The rich young ruler who is desperately seeking the meaning of life. 
the woman with the jar of perfume who was desperately seeking forgiveness, and the tax collector who was desperately seeking to belong. The challenge each week as you follow along in the series is to answer these two questions. How are you like these four persons in the Bible stories? And who do you see around you like them? Because our mission is to share the treasure of Jesus with those around us, to be desperately seeking Jesus together, individually and corporately. That's what I hope for our church in this new location God chose us to be in, in this near future. Amen. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you call us to be lights in the world to seek those who are desperate in this world and to share the precious treasure who is Jesus with others. Fill us more with the Holy Spirit. Give us the boldness to reach out to those who have placed in our, you have placed in our circles of influence. Bless our church in our new beginning. Use us to establish your kingdom here at 7900 Mountain Boulevard. For your glory, not ours. Jesus, lead on. And I pray this in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.